Beyond, and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where I know we're late this week, and I thought, you know, we'd be able to cover all of the big PlayStation news that would happen finally this week, and then PlayStation decided to not put out any news this week. Thank you for that. Uh, anyway, though. You can't cheat the system, Jonathan. No, you tried. It, Herman it, it knows. Has, it has to happen after we record the show. And of course. that means it will happen after we record the show. That's the I am, yeah, it's it's like a slot machine, Dono. You can't win, no yeah. matter how much money you put in that thing. I am absolutely convinced that tomorrow morning they will put up a state of play on like a Saturday at 9 a.m. Ju mm -hmm. Just to mess with us at this point. Um, but no, of course, we do have plenty to catch up on as well as uh, both in the PlayStation world and the third party world. Plus a uh, another doozy of a memory card that follows up on a, a previous one that we'll get to a little bit later in the show. But before we do all that, I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. Hello and beyond. And Lucy O'Brien. Hello and beyond. <laughs> Hello and beyond. Uh, before we get into uh, all the news and the, the nitty gritty of what's going on this week, I do want to briefly mention as a heads up, we'll have more details in the weeks to come. But uh, as a heads up to all of our YouTube viewers, uh, the the YouTube Beyond channel that you are currently watching this episode on will soon not have new updated episodes. The The show will still be going on, but this show, as well as all the other IGN podcasts like NBC, Podcast Unlocked, and GameScoop, will be moving over to a centralized YouTube channel where you'll be able to find all of the shows in one destination. Um, this, uh, again, the, the show will still be the same. There aren't any changes coming to the format of the show or anything going on over there where we'll suddenly all have to be competing for the same hour of time. Uh, amongst all the shows. We'll, we'll all be there. You'll be able to find Beyond going there. I'll have more information about uh, the channel itself, uh, links to be able to send you over there so you can start subscribing and following along there. Uh, but just as a heads up, in the coming weeks, that shift will be happening. Uh, we hope you'll you'll join us over there because the show will continue to be Beyond, uh, and we'd love to have that community follow us over there. But I just wanted to give you some advance warning before that happens. Uh, definitely don't want a last-minute switch to catch anyone off guard. Uh, so stay tuned for more information in in the coming weeks on that um <clears throat> excuse me but other than that might as well just jump into the news uh one thing that uh you know is a little bit of old news at this point but i do definitely want to cover in sort of the context of uh this year in playstation that we might be getting uh is that ratchet and clank finally has a release date uh ratchet and clank rift apart is going to be hitting ps5 on june 11th uh which i know previously i believe it was at Gamescom last year, the Insomniac uh, heads who were speaking with Jeff Keighley on that show had mentioned it was coming in the launch window. Uh, perhaps it is up for debate what, whether June, uh, seven months after the console launch, falls in the launch window. No, it's but not. I mean, it's... for many people, it is because, you know, they're still without a PlayStation 5. That is true. So that's for them, it is launch window. That is true. If you're not available, if you're not capable of buying a PS5 until like May, then yes, technically launch window. I I feel like the term launch window has uh, lost all meaning. Like it, there was a while there where it was definitely like the first month or two, and then it turned into like three or four months. And now we're like, th that is that is in a seven, eight month territory. Like that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very excited for this game. I, I just don't think this is the launch window for the PS5. Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I cannot wait. Like this is easily of the, and we'll get to this in a little bit of the games that are actually concretely coming out this year and probably aren't getting delayed. I think Rift Apart is probably my most anticipated, especially as a huge, like lifelong Ratchet and Clank fan. This one just looks beautiful and really takes advantage of the PS5. But yeah, in terms of launch window, not that we had a shortage of PlayStation games, you know, at launch, it just, it's a silly phrase that to me has lost meaning in the same way things like, uh, 
a beta versus a demo has lost meaning. Like a game that gets a beta a week before launch, that's not a beta. That's a demo. A, a beta a year beforehand probably can, you know, give you some useful info for that. Same as like um, Re reboot, remastered. Like people have have I'll, played fast and loose with those terms. Oh yeah, those. And then my favorite. It was an ongoing joke. They finally got out of it, but um, Fortnite has technically was in early access for like four years or like three or four years, something crazy. And every time my girlfriend and I would load into a match, she'd make the joke of even like late last year. Oh, we have early access. That's so awesome. Even though we've been <laughs> playing it for two years, like. <laughs> Words can lose meaning a bit in this industry, uh, but that anyway, the game's going to be really big when it finally comes out. I think I'm, just you <laughs> I'm really hunch, excited. Huh? It's going to have its moment at some point. Um, maybe, maybe they'll have a big crossover eventually. But yeah, it's a. Uh, I'm I'm super excited for this one. I know we've sort of talked about uh, our excitement for Ratchet and Clank since those uh, reveal gameplay sessions. Um, late last year, middle of last year. What I wanted to at least start off with on the Ratchet and Clank part of it was. Um, Brian, I, I know especially, and I want to start with you, we've talked a lot about it on the show. Like, obviously, there's this push and pull of wanting to see some of the game before launch, and they have to show some of the game to get people excited. But, mm -hmm. you know, we've had both the reveal demo and then an extended demo of Ratchet and Clank right now. H how much more do you want to or feel like we need to see? And I guess, conversely, how much do you think they're going to show us <laughs> before um, the part comes out? Well, I think it's an interesting thing because it's like I'm less uh, sort of selectively, you know, worry about s spoilers or something like that for a game like this. Yeah. But um, I do appreciate that almost everything they've shown us so far has just been like unabashedly pure boots on the ground gameplay. Like that is super cool to see. Like it is just like moment to moment. This is what you will be doing when you play this gorgeous, crazy looking game. It looks fun as hell. And it's it's not cinematics. It's not cutscenes. It's not uh you know like bizarre cg trailers for the most part it is just like here's what this game looks like and so i'm sold on it um obviously there are people that will probably be like i need to see more but for me like I, this game i want to i want to hold the controller and play this game like there's nothing really that they can show me that's going to twist my arm as much as being like oh that's how they did dual sense stuff with this game because i know this is going to be the next big one to like really truly grab that tech and and make something captivating so i'm i'm totally sold i'm all in if they want to keep showing more i'll keep looking at it but i'm good i'm good to go yeah lucy i know we we've also talked a bit about the hype cycle and so i'm, I'm sort of curious just to get a, a beat on where you are with ratchet because like obviously we're all going to play it we're, we're coming at it i think from different like uh fan bases of uh the franchise and whatnot but i definitely think this is one I agree with Brian in terms of like, I, I think they're going to take really great advantage of the dual sense. And there's only so much you can tell me about that versus just actually getting to use the dual sense and feel how the guns are going to be different and wacky in their own ways. Um, mm. I don't know how you feel about like going into this one, how much more you expect we might see or want to see. I mean, I think, I think more is, 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 is kind of a good thing in this, in this case, mainly because I feel like PS5 owners, um, you know, <laughs> They put a lot of they put a lot of money. They dropped a lot of money to get that thing, and I'm not saying that there's like a dearth of games to play on it. But um, in terms of like a showcase for what the PS5 can do, I think Ratchet is 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 kind of the one, right? Like we haven't seen you know much of any of the other like first party games coming out this year, but like we saw that it takes full advantage of that SSD in such like a cool, remarkable PS5 only way um so you know I, I i'm happy to see more i'm happy for ps5 owners to like get more excited about something that only they can really experience um 
because yeah like ratchet is definitely just the the, the way that it utilizes that ssd like what is it it goes through sort of worlds and it cuts like yeah, you know there's about? the literal rifts just kind of like jump through. You'll have it clearly there's at some point you have the ability to kind of shift the world as you're standing within it and kind of like hop from one point to the next without, you know, weird hitching going on like it's supposed to be instantaneous. Yeah. Right, it's... right. And I've I've never seen anything like that. And it's definitely not something you could achieve on last gen. Um, so for me, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm happy to see more, obviously, you know, I don't need anything spoiled, but, uh, <laughs> I'm happy to see more, more of how it utilizes the PS5 mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. There, there's definitely stuff where, oh, sorry, Brian, were you gonna? No, 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 go for it. I, I was just going to say, there's definitely stuff for, especially me as like someone who's, you know, followed the series for so long. Like, I am very curious about who this mysterious other Lombax is who showed up in the end of the teaser trailer. But I also don't expect that to be a thing that we're going to get a five minute debrief on because it's very clearly part of the story. And I want to experience all of that as it's intended. But yeah, I think showing off um, two or three of the new weapons that they have and how they'll, they can tell us how they'll use the dual sense, but getting a sense of just how weird they're pushing that stuff as well as as lucy you were saying the showing off it is so cool to see ratchet just jump from a forested region where he's being attacked by like pterodactyl like creatures to a, mm -hmm. a futuristic cityscape in an instant and i like mm -hmm. seeing that is to me the best way to sell someone on a ps5 that i've probably totally. seen so far totally totally yeah. and that's the other thing is it's like a big selling point for the machine itself um you know this will be my first ratchet game i never played one oh. before Nice. Are you thinking about doing the the reboot uh, remake uh, one from a couple years back, or are you just going to kind of go into this one? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, it's weird. I was always like, I was always a Jack and Dexter person, mm -hmm. and Ratchet and Clank always was like to me like, eh, it's kind of just looks like Jack and Dexter, but not as good. Um, and I know that that's not true. That's just <laughs> like that's just my dumb uh, observation from you know way back when. And I just never jumped on board, but yeah, maybe I will. Maybe I'll give it a spin, especially because you're such a, 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 you know, a priest at the Church of Ratchet. Right, <laughs> and it's, I believe it's it's part of the PlayStation Plus collection on PS Five. It so is, it's, yeah. It's, it's pretty it's pretty easy to just hop in. Um, yeah, like Lucy, I, I feel like you hinted at it a second ago, but uh, and, and it feels weird saying this, like we said before, like so many people still can't get a PS Five, but it does mm -hmm. sort of feel like there was. Uh, a little bit of a sort of momentum shift, a little bit of a slowdown after launch, as always happens with the new hardware. Um, in terms of software, uh, we had like a really strong launch lineup, and then we rolled kind of right into Christmas and the holidays. And then like there was some stuff like Hitman, obviously that you know made it multi-platform. But in terms of like stuff that's really like, oh, this is my reason, this is my big exclusive to turn on the PS5. Um, things have definitely gotten a little bit more quiet. Again, millions and millions of people still can't get this console, so this is a stupid thing to complain about. But it was nice <laughs> to see Ratchet pop up to get a definitive release date and to sort of be like, okay, let's we can start to look at what this year looks like. Six months is near, four months or, or five months away, whatever it is, is pretty far right now. And I assume there's going to be tons of you know third party and, and and sort of interesting indie stuff to play between now and then. But it is That's nice right. to start yeah. seeing like the future of first party stuff on PS5 to see where it goes. Yeah, and it's um I, I did want to bring it up in that context because as as you were saying it 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 is both a a thing that's easy to recognize is somewhat silly to be like where are all the new games for the system when there are of course the hundred million plus people still on PS4s and I kind of want to talk about both because um it, it does help that this week we had our first Nintendo Direct the first real Nintendo Direct in fifteen plus months um, and I bring that up to say that uh, you know what we 
we see Xbox, you know, mentioning headset updates. Uh, you know, they announced a new Xbox Series X uh, headset. We'll see them uh, give some updates on the games. Right now, we see the PlayStation blog occasionally give updates. We've gotten a release date for Returnal, which is coming in April, as well as MLB in April. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We know Deathloop uh, on, uh, is a console exclusive, as well as coming to PC, and that's coming in May. And then we'll get Ratchet in June. So we're... Again, we're we're sort of seeing the year kick off late April, early May uh, of big game releases. Yeah. But uh, and you know, once things kick in there, I think it's going to be really exciting. On that front, I wanted to one say, when do you think you know? Guessing when we'll get a state of play is kind of like just a crapshoot. It could be it could be literally tomorrow. It could be six months from now. Who knows? But like, we we have this sort of concept that we're going to get a, a couple months of a, you know a big. PS5 release here and there uh, through those three months. But like, are, are there any concerns from either of you that we are, you know, a month and a half in, we haven't really gotten a sense of what PlayStation is looking at in terms of the scope of the full year? Like we don't have details of when a state of play is coming. We don't really know what their PS4 plans are other than Horizon Forbidden West. Um, it's, it's sort of a weird in-between period, I feel like, for both consoles. Um, where the months ahead are a little uncertain on the first party front. And I was kind of curious to hear from you of like, do, do you feel, we, we had a lot of talk last year about Sony silence being deafening in the lead up to the PS5. Do we expect we might get a lot of silent Sony again this year? Does it, does it feel like we're heading in that uh, way? Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, one thing that we, you know, we sort of, forget to talk about sometimes because it has become like a Stockholm syndrome thing is that like there is a pandemic still going on and timelines are just so malleable at the moment because uh because of that like I you know we don't know how that has affected timelines and 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 workflow and and production like we've we've got no real insight into that beyond you know what other developers have told us but like I can't really imagine that you know that things that were planned for this year um are still on track mm -hmm. uh and you know I, I i also imagine that that sony is being really cautious because like things can change so quickly and and things do take longer um and no one wants to to do a cyberpunk right so uh the silence is is kind of understandable in that regard yeah the uh it's, it, Last year was a, you know, like you said, like a, there's a lot of overlapping factors. I think their secrecy was in part um, due to the coronavirus, but also because they didn't really want to show their hand. Um, and now we're in an interesting spot where they're selling literally every single PS5 that that becomes available or scalpers are buying 99% of them. But either way, they're being sold, unfortunately. Uh, and so I think that's like they, they have less to hide this year. There's There's a couple of surprises you know that I'm, I'm sure will pop out but for the most part i i think like and we talked about this last week the the weird downside of the sort of e3 uh workflow uh, imploding is that all these pieces of sh of shrapnel have gone everywhere in terms of when and where we can expect to get news on anything really and so i i do think that they will do more sort of selectively hyper-focused presentations like quick drops where they go, hey, we're like, here's some cool indie games. Here's some VR stuff we're doing. Here's, uh, you know, a sneak peek at a third party game. But I, I don't really think that we're going to get like any sort of regular cadence of, of announcements, because I think that like, they're still assessing every one of their studios. And I think they're probably saying, hey, take the time you need. Like Lucy said, the cyberpunk thing's a big part of it. 
the coronavirus thing's a big part of it. Some companies have been able to pivot and adapt. You know, I'm, I'm on Nintendo Voice Chat. We just covered the Nintendo Direct from, from this week. It doesn't really feel like Nintendo's had the sort of best, um, smoothest time of, of handling, you know, the, the wake of the last year, uh, year and change. And, and so I don't really think that like Sony is going to be in any rush here. I think they have two concurrently successful consoles happening in unison right now. They'll wind down one, ramp up the other, but I don't really expect to hear almost anything from them anytime soon. And I'd love to be proven wrong on that because I love when they when they talk. It's the best <laughs> thing, right? It's yeah. yeah, it's always a joyful thing. Like even uh, whatever you felt about the direct aside, it's hard to beat the anticipation we all felt in the twenty four hours between the the direct uh, being announced and happening this week. And yeah. same thing when we know a big PS five showcase or a state of play is coming. It it is always that like. The anticipation of what can be is so exciting, um, regardless of kind of what ends up happening. But I, I, I totally agree with both of you in terms of um, it's impossible to fully calculate how COVID has affected every single studio in such different ways. And also just everything else happening. Obviously, like we've seen uh, the unexpected uh, snowstorms and uh, terrible weather that's hit so much of the US this week in places that don't have the infrastructure to support it. Mm -hmm. uh, even uh, Bethesda, they were tweeting, some of that team was like, hey, updates to, I, I think it was either Fallout 76 or the Elder Scrolls Online are gonna be delayed because our team just doesn't have power anymore because we're all working from home. It's just, there are so many, so many variables going on with the work from home situation, let alone now everything else that can happen as a result of that. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting because it's like Sony is a global company that is a hardware manufacturer. They also own uh, s several studios that are worldwide, all over the place that are all sort of like impacted in different ways by this, some not so much, some a ton. And I think there's also like, like Lucy said about the cyberpunk thing, I think that that's like a big, that's going to be a big lesson going forward. Uh, and yeah. I, I, frankly, it should have been a lesson before that. Like that, <laughs> that was a very unique scenario in that um, that was obviously a, a piece of software that was rushed to market uh, in what I would describe as kind of a grift to get a bunch of people in early on. But if you look at MPD, that game has essentially dropped off. And so you're not seeing the legs that something like The Witcher had. And so, yeah, they were able to pull off a, a bit of a heist early on. But I think in the long tail, that's not a good look. And that's that, that's what you, you want to see a game up there for a while. And so I don't really expect to see anything from the next God of War. Um, Horizon feels like it's like a little further along. But I don't think we're going to hear anything from either of those games for a little bit. And I think that the first half of this year is going to be riding on the momentum and the fumes and the coattails really of like what they accomplished last year, which was one of the best years they've ever had, all, especially all things considered. The fact that they shipped so many amazing games and a brand new console last year is insane. It is one yeah. of the coolest achievements we've ever seen from a video game company, frankly. Yeah. Like like we, we, we forget, but like last year we had The Last of Us 2, we had Ghost of Tsushima, we had the PS5, you know, uh, we had Miles Morales. Miles Morales. Like, there's just, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Demon's Dreams came out at the beginning of last year. Yeah, just <laughs> insane, just insane. Uh, and so it's super cool. And I think that while I want more information and while I want more games, um, their number one priority right now is should be focusing on hardware production pipeline, getting consoles out onto the shelves so people can buy them mm -hmm. again and yeah. enjoy all the stuff that, you know, they put out last year and everything to come. So, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's 
in a normal year, that lineup would have been just like an all-timer incredible release window. And so the fact that all of that was able to come out within a single year, let alone a year where none of us knew what life looked like week to week is mm-hmm. just incredible. And, and yeah, I definitely... I expect a bit of silence, but I, I I don't fault them for it, especially as you were saying, like, totally. who knows how each developer is impacted. Obviously, everyone's going through this in, in different ways. And also, it's one of those things where I think, it, cyber, speaking of Cyberpunk, still not available on PlayStation at the moment. Um, right. But yeah, you still <laughs> can't buy it. Holy shit, yeah. I actually forgot. Yeah. yeah. I forgot Mine's still that. installed, but like, yeah, it's, it's so crazy. Over oh two months and you still God. can't buy it. Yeah. Well, the, the, that is like, wild. The thing is, Video games, and I've said this so many times, and it, it pisses me off, but video games are like, fr- <laughs> video game development is frustratingly secretive compared to so many other mediums, especially film. Um, we regularly get director's cuts and commentaries. Uh, when when movies get announced, there's basically like a press release. There's, here's, like just yesterday, there, uh, A24 was like, hey, Joaquin Phoenix and Ari Aster, who did Hereditary, uh, and Midsummer are teaming up for their next movie. Here's the press release. Here's the people funding it. It is so like, it's an open, open book, right? Um, but there is so much about video games that is so secretive. I, I would watch an entire documentary on how Sucker Punch shipped Ghost of Tsushima from home on mountain Wi-Fi. Like that's, <laughs> I, like, that's insane to me that that studio was at the finish line of, of finishing one of the most gorgeous open world games ever made and pandemic hit and they all scattered into different places and they somehow got that game out but we just won't see that you know Andrew if you're um, listening Kit, well well with that said um we do have an inside story check out inside stories uh, on on youtube it's it's our documentary short documentary series and we do have a very cool inside story about how call of duty was made from home mm-hmm. so we had a lot of developer access for that one which was awesome but it is it's like it felt like it was stuck together with tape. Yeah, like they just yeah. made it work somehow. <laughs> you and, know? and Cold War is now one of the best-selling games in the U.S. ever. I think it's like the twentieth best-selling game ever, just in Crazy. two or three months. Right. Um, but yeah, and speaking of uh, things along the lines of that, one you should absolutely check out Inside Stories because it's a phenomenal series of uh, documentaries we have going. Uh, but two, just on the like working from home situation, uh, the uh, Sumo Digital team behind Sackboy put out a small like five minute thing on the the PlayStation YouTube that was about making that finishing that game from home too and how that changed things. And obviously, it's a a bit of a different game than than Ghost of Tsushima, but uh, especially working toward the launch of the PS5 uh, launch date game, uh, it's just yeah, I, I would happily watch every studio talk about that in detail because it's just so fascinating and so incredibly impressive that they were able to pull all of these things off mm-hmm. given the infrastructure that's currently available um and if you're listening and you have worked on one of these games please hit dono and myself up yes. because we would love to hear your story yes mm-hmm. where we always uh, want to be able to tell those stories more on ign so any devs who are listening we we want to tell those stories please let us please let us talk to you about those stories um because we find them fascinating and I think the audience will too. But um, yeah, in terms of the, the silence of that, just to bring it back to it, I totally think it's okay that this is going to happen. I kind of wanted to bring this up mostly as a like, when we hear games are going to get delayed, when we hear things are maybe being pushed, when we don't hear from a game for a little while, that's okay. And please, please understand the insane machinations that have to go on to make a game happen with hundreds of people from home uh in in these current conditions is is just crazy i can only imagine i I can't imagine how unfathomably difficult that must be Mm -hmm. um but speaking of that 
you know, we are looking at in terms of other announced PlayStation exclusives for this year, Horizon Forbidden West, Gran Turismo 7, and God of War. Um, we've definitely seen Sony before, I think, not want to announce release dates when they don't have to because we've, we've seen delays happen pretty frequently with first-party uh, games just by the nature of them. And so I think we're going to get release dates for those probably a bit closer to when they're coming out. Um, my question is, I guess... The sensible option in general, right? <laughs> sorry? Seems like the sensible option in general. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> From here on in. Um, in. In terms of this, I feel like Horizon probably still has a decent chance to come out this year, uh, if only because it was simultaneously being developed for PS4 and PS4 could use a pretty big exclusive, you know, this year to at least have one. Um, Gran Turismo 7 is a total guess in my book. I have no idea the like workflow of that studio and how long it's been in the pipeline. And God of War, because we only saw a teaser trailer, for me, feels like the one most easily to be pushed, like a teaser trailer that literally was a logo, feels like the one that could most easily be pushed in. But again, we have no idea the scope of it, the whether it is going to end up being for PS4 or either. Um, I guess my question for, for both of you is, uh, and Lucy, maybe we can start with you, do you anticipate the three of these hitting the mark in, in 2021? Do you think we'll, we'll see this as part of the calendar? Um, and if so, if you had to, to make a wild prediction, when do you think we'll see I, the first of them? Like, when do you think we'll get Horizon, let's say? <laughs> I think I think we have a chance to get Horizon this year. Yeah. I think GT7 and God of War are, are, are a ways out. I still think God of War is going to be a smaller game. I think it's not it's not going to be like a half game but i think it's going to be a smaller entry like i don't i don't think it's going to be god of war 2. um i think horizon will hit i think that they might be aiming to 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 launch horizon during the holidays um and yeah gt7 i think could even you know i i, I think that'll be the last one off out of the gate um god of war i think we'll see next year brian what about you yeah, I, I am, I'm inclined to agree with Lucy. I, it, Horizon feels like it could happen this year. Um, God of War is interesting because like, like you both said, we don't really know the scope or scale of what this is going to be. If this is going to be sort of like a left behind, if this is going to be a Miles Morales, like how long will this game be? Um, and is is that going to be enough for most people? Like I, Miles Morales was like sort of routinely... Uh, pushed to the side by a lot of people who were who just like, it's just DLC. And like, I, I feel like that's, we've, we've kind of like lost that word's kind of lost on meaning that phrase uh, in, in terms of like covering what a game can be. But I also think it's like, we we're in this weird spot where the value of video games uh, is exceptionally high. It's $70 for a game, but it's also still a pretty good deal when you get a game for 60 or 70 bucks and it lasts you 30, 40 hours. But developers probably also want to tell smaller stories every now and then. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we've exactly found the right value proposition for that. Uh, that's a push and pull. And I think it's very difficult. And like the, the, the sort of the undercurrent line of how you price an experience versus how much you get in return, how you value art or content. Um, if, if you look at something like Destruction All-Stars, I think as a $70 game that wouldn't have worked on PS Plus, I think that's, you know, that's, that's a great thing to jump into and mess around with. I think the review scores would have been uh, much lower had it been a $70 thing, but it's it's hard to do that. On, on the flip side, like I want to see what Corey and the rest of his studio can do with a smaller scale God of War. But I don't know if the average audience wants that. I want them to tell the story they want to tell. Um, 
and price the game in the way they feel comfortable pricing it. But there is a like distinct thing that happens specifically in video games where people say, I don't want to buy this game unless it's X amount of hours in return. Um, and I, I do think that's interesting. I think the consumer is justified in feeling that way because games are expensive and they, they want value, but it's also where does this, where does a smaller story fit in with something like that? Yeah. I also think like not to ramble too much, but uh, one of the things we are kind of forgetting about is at some point this year, I assume Naughty Dog's going to be like, here's that big multiplayer last of us thing, that standalone thing, whether it's free to play, whether it's, you know, priced or boxed. So I think that will fill some gaps while we wait uh, for stuff. Last of Us and Uncharted multiplayer was like a gigantic hit, surprisingly, because it's yeah. like, I've never really come to either of those franchises for that, but like, it really resonates with people. It really sticks with mm -hmm. people. So I do think that um, that's that's gonna fill a hole at some point this year and uh, hopefully it'll be really fun. Yeah, the um, the Last of Us multiplayer in particular factions was so good. And I, I feel like launching that as a, I'm I'm with you. Like I could see it going free to play. I could see it being a paid experience either way. I think if you launch that as a like, um, with a deluxe edition of The Last of Us Part Two on PS5, or you can buy it separately for twenty, thirty bucks. I think that would be such a great thing to have in the fall. And I, I think especially PlayStation fans would fall pretty hard for that one if it's anything close to what Factions was. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I agree with you in terms of like we haven't really cracked the code on how to. Or not we the the developers and and the people marketing these games haven't really found the way I think to properly convey what a why a smaller experience is still valuable and worth your time and money to the audience when so much of gaming uh, buying decisions often come down to how many hours do I get out of it mm -hmm. um, and it, 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 and as Brian said right like DLC is just such a damaging word it, yeah. it, well it's not even a word it's an acronym but like it's <laughs> such a damaging like it's got such such bad connotations because it, it, it's evolved dlc or as an additive content has evolved so much since like it was a thing and you know i think it, it, it's it's crazy to me because it, when i think of miles morales i think of it with the same fondness and the same even more so i i think of it you know more than the than spider-man yeah. like I, I i feel like it was nothing was lost by by being a smaller experience yeah totally. sorry to interrupt i just felt very passionate about that no episode. totally that's a cool one too, because it's like how like that was a that was a sort of budget not budget size that was like a smaller scale open world sandbox game, which we don't really see a lot of, right? Usually yeah. when people are like, we're gonna tell a story, it's sort of on rails. Like something like Left Behind had some wiggle room, but that mostly had story beats that they had to hit. And Miles Morales is just like, well, here's a whole here's a whole city, here's a whole open world game. It's just that the actual scripted story beat stuff is is a little smaller than it was the last time. And at the same time, we have this like bizarre sort of, we see this on, on mobile, which is a sort of completely, uh, I would say dystopian hellscape when it comes to the race to the bottom pricing model, where if you like, there are games that you will buy on PlayStation five that are like 20, 30 bucks. Um, and then there's, you see it on iOS and it's like, they can't charge more than like eight bucks, like something like dead cells, like is an awesome game and it's like dirt cheap on phones because they know that people won't pay much more because most games are free or a dollar or were for a very long time and at the exact same time you have this idea that like if you're going to sell a 60 dollars game it has to have 100 hours of content and so mm -hmm. um you know there's it's it's very difficult to find the right spot there to kind of make everyone happy 
yeah it's it's a really strange space to be in right now and um it, like even thinking back to lost legacy that was originally going to be dlc uh for uncharted 4 and became such a big project that it spun out into its own thing i for one like love that we get these smaller games in between i of course i've never been involved in development so i could be completely off base but to me uh, a game that is the size of lost legacy or a game that is the size of miles morales one lets them somewhat reuse the foundation and build upon what they've already done without having to create the 2.0 version of it but also lets them experiment in ways that if they they take a risk on a game mechanic or a side mission in a Lost Legacy style thing or Miles Morales, if it doesn't work, well, it was only a, you know, 10 hour campaign that you had mm-hmm. to deal with it in versus a 30 hour campaign. And totally. if it does work, that means they have something really cool to integrate and enhance in, in the 2.0. I like, I love that model and kind of hope we see it more. I want the Lost Legacies, the first lights, the Miles Moraleses of Ghost of Tsushima, of Days Gone, of The Last of Us. Like, I want that to be a, because I also think it would be a more, repeatable cadence again i don't know i could be completely off base but i feel like instead of waiting maybe four to five years between every game we'd maybe see a big game then a smaller game then a big game maybe every like two to three years yeah um, i mean i think days gone should have been a smaller experience to begin with. I, I think a day's gone that like no shade no shade no shade no totally but i mean like in, in terms of i i know you know a, a lot of your criticism in the review was of especially related to like the length of it and how it kind of just kept going on and i think if you if you boiled that experience down to like the freaker hordes and fought a couple of them in maybe a uh, only a handful of biomes instead of the ones that were there you get something that would be probably a a more enriching overall smaller package but something that's still really exciting because clearly there is something there Um, i maintain that there was there was something very very strong at the heart of that game and i know it's evolved i know it's evolved so please in the comments i know i know that it's much stronger game and it's been patched and supported and and the dev has done a fantastic job at, at doing that yeah um but yeah yeah i just think from you know from the jump uh a more condensed experience would have made for a stronger one for me personally um yeah but yeah and then brian just to your point about um uh the uh the value proposition of a game too that's something that i think we're going to see transform even more when it comes to uh subscription services because obviously game pass has dramatically changed that uh and i think we saw that as early as uh crackdown 3 because when that was coming out uh our IGN and a lot of other outlets reviewed it, you know, pretty middle of the road, I I would say, Uh, like not that highly. And a lot of people were upset at that. But I think because I saw a lot of the conversation around, I'm not paying any money for this game. It's just on my subscription. I can just jump into this game. And in the same, you were saying like Destruction All-Stars, it will be $70 in a month and a half. But for now, everyone who has PlayStation Plus on PS5 can just jump into it. And I think it does... You know, obviously we don't put the the price of a game into our reviews here, but when you are a person who is trying to make a value judgment and you can spend $15 to play 100 games on Game Pass or, you know, pay a PlayStation Plus subscription and get three free games a month, you might do that and then not buy the newest games until they're heavily discounted. Um, I think subscription services are really going to change the way people also look at the value of a game, probably for better and worse. But Not not only that, but I I, I feel like subscription services are constantly there to remind you that maybe you shouldn't buy a game because in three weeks it might be quote unquote free on your subscription service like the amount of times that i've been like i should buy this game and it's like it's the game pass game the next month or it's the 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 ps plus game the next month and i'm just like damn i never know when to jump in but i think that this um 
this this sort of like value proposition thing it applies to so many other mediums too like we had the mortal Kombat movie trailer this week and not only has uh the pandemic changed the way i care about what i will or will not watch because at this point i'm just like sure give me all of it i don't care anymore but that's the kind of movie that uh two years ago would have been like do you guys want to see this should we get tickets for opening weekend or should we wait let's should we wait for the reviews to come in and now i'm just like oh that will appear on my tv one day and i can see <laughs> like shang sung and goro rip the man's heart out and like yes absolutely <laughs> no brainer yep. sure you know like it's not even a conversation to me like no disrespect we we i, I work for ign we're a reviews outlet someone is going to review mortal Kombat, and they're going to be like seven out of ten i didn't like the part where this happened or i didn't i don't care about any of that like i think it's the same thing with cloverfield paradox right like that's a bad movie but because i didn't have to do anything to watch it it made it slightly better and i do think that that changes things a little bit um it, if i could recommend you know what i watched on the flip side i had to review it immediately after watching it when it just dropped and as a huge cloverfield oh fan God. that made me like it way less <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you think about uh, but no i totally get what you're saying yeah i i just want to say the other night i watched the human centipede too because it was on. so that's that's well. that's where we're at that yep. is where we are at i voluntarily sat down i was like mm, i think i'll just watch human speech <laughs> my my thing is to go off record but off script a little bit here but my thing has been just um blaming Stick to the, the pandemic script. yeah blaming the pandemic yeah. for stuff i was yeah. doing anyway like i was like I was like, oh, I, I, I imported these uh, Japanese Nintendo toys from the Universal theme park since I can't go there because of the pandemic. And my wife was like, you would have done that. You've been doing that for the entire <laughs> 10 years I've known you. Like, you just do that crap anyway. Don't don't blame the world for this. But man, the overalls texture on that that Mario doll is pretty it's incredible. Really it's, it's, he's so cute. He's, he's so great. I know, I know this is not PlayStation related, but it's so good. And look, he yeah. walks. He, it's, I love it. It's yeah. the best. Brilliant. I've been watching I, uh, YouTube walkthroughs of, of people, like people who got to go to the early access openings of that, just Me as too. a like, as Me my too. way of being able to experience it right now. Me too. Me too. I've been doing exactly the same yeah. thing. Yeah, they hit, they oh, hit all over the park. It's like, oh, I okay. love it. Yeah. yeah, it's so great. Well, we'll see. PlayStation needs a theme park that we can yeah. go to. That's what. Just, just bring back <laughs> PSX and turn it into a theme park, please. Um, anyway where were we on ga games <laughs> games will be different in this year and also good in this year that i think is a summation of what mm -hmm. we we're saying um but no totally i it's going to be i think a very interesting year and i i think i wanted to bring all this up just to also remind myself of like it is okay to go into this year knowing um i think we all kind of hoped things would be progressing a little faster than they are uh when it comes back to getting back to normalcy but because they aren't the devs will need to take their time. The games will come out when they're ready. I think like we have plenty to play. My backlog is so egregiously large that in the meantime, we will have plenty to talk about, plenty to play. Uh, and I'm looking forward to all these games, but I in no way want them to be rushed out, especially under the conditions everyone's having to make games right now. Um, anyway, with that said, uh, on the PlayStation side, we're pretty late to this, so I don't want to spend a ton of time, but obviously the next big... Uh, PlayStation adaptation of a game into a movie or TV show, uh, aside from Uncharted, which I think is supposed to still come out this year. Uh, but anyway, The Last of Us is, of course, coming to HBO. And late last week, we got casting uh, both on the same day 
uh, of Pedro Pascal will be playing Joel and Bella Ramsey, who played Lyanna Mormont in Game of Thrones, will be playing Ellie. Um, I I love the, this casting, even though I only know Bella Ramsey from being a, a smug asshole child for five minutes on uh, mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. It, Ellie's got a little bit of like world weariness to her where she's acting above her age. So I think she's going to bring that to that role pretty easily. Um, Pedro is a wonderful human being who already has carted an orphan around a, a TV show. So he should probably be pretty good at this. Um, I, I'm excited for this casting. Uh, Lucy, I'll start with you. How, how do you feel about the, the casting choices here? Um, Are you frozen for is Dorno frozen? Am I frozen? Can you hear he's me? He's frozen, but, he, but he's smiling. It's a good. It's actually. It's really <laughs> oh no! I'll, I'll refresh. A... You you guys keep talking. I'll refresh. But uh, it's so that. funny. You look so happy. <laughs> Should we keep going? We can keep going. I I want to say real quick. Uh, if I don't think it's a great <laughs> movie, but Prospect, which is a movie that came out in 2018, is a movie where Pedro Pascal and his teenage daughter navigate a dystopian apocalypse in search of resources and so that's a little on the nose um (laughs) i'm not i'm not crazy about the film but it's like it's it's got a little bit of last of us edge to it uh and i i i dig it it's it's a lot more like sort of you know hard sci-fi astronaut stuff but um if you want to see what it looks like for him to be in a scenario like that outside of on the mandalorian where he's you know his ellie is doing that a weird puppet frog that eats cookies, drools, and throws up. Um, love that show. Uh, but yeah, check out check out Prospect. It's 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 totally worth looking at. I think that like Pedro Pascal is a fantastic choice because he he's one of those actors that that goes all in, right? Like he never like schlubs it, right? He's always he's always giving it one hundred percent. I mean, you look at Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, which is a movie that I didn't particularly like. Uh, but I loved his performance because he just committed. He's so committed and he 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 so gives a shit, yeah. you know? And I, I, I think that's, I mean, for me, fantastic casting choice. In terms of um, Bella Ramsey, uh, again, I don't know her outside of Game of Thrones. I mean, she's very young. Um, but again, she was such a highlight of Game of Thrones. Like you could not, you know, there were so many bit characters. There were so many characters in Game of Thrones that, you know, a lot of them were easily forgotten. Um, but you do n- you did not forget her. Yeah. Um, so you know, I think that I think that they sound fantastic. Uh one of the things that really pissed me off at the time was how people were so angry that she didn't look like Ellie. And I just, you know, one thing that it's it, an actor doesn't have to look like their existing character. I mean, it was like Heath Ledger. Everyone thought he was going to be terrible because he was like a heartthrob, uh, uh, you know, terrible as Joker. And and look what he did, you know? Just remember that. Like, just remember Heath Ledger. We should always remember I mean, in general. In general. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, and it's it's also, like, uh, it's understanding, and this this is always tough with sort of, like, adaptations of source material, because I think you're totally right, Lucy. Like, there is an expectation that it has to be completely Mm -hmm. sort of, like, spot on, one-to-one and i i don't think that's what they're going with here in fact in terms of just the general speculation of the how the narrative for this show will unfold i think i've seen a lot of people just sort of automatically assume that the first season of the show will be one-to-one with the first game and the second season will be one-to-one with, with the second game and i i don't necessarily know if it'll roll out like that in fact i would be interested to see if 
they go a totally different direction with this. I mean, like mm. the, the, the most sort of contemporary example of that is something like The Walking Dead, where or Game of Thrones, where, you know, the book fans were constantly in your ear being like, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. And many times they're right. And other times uh, they would deviate on the show uh, wildly uh, to varying degrees of success. And I think that like, that's really interesting. This is, this is swinging for, this is swinging for that Game of Thrones audience. You know, that this is that big budget HBO prestige television, like gamers, we're here and we're definitely a huge, huge market, but this is like, they, they want your dad to watch this show, you know, yeah. like they want people that like, maybe don't even touch a console and maybe we'll eventually go, Oh, they make a game about this kind of stuff. Oh, let me check it out. Um, it's going to be so interesting if they keep that ending though. Like when I think of the last of us, I mean, it had such a powerful story. That was such a huge reason that we loved it so much. Right. Mm -hmm. It'd be very interesting if like, if it's more just tonally that kind of thing because like the last of us and the last of us part two have a very similar um take on storytelling right like it, they always zig when other others would have zagged and maybe and like maybe that that's kind of what it's going to be it's not going to like maybe that they won't have that ending but yeah. maybe it's that that tonal thing that they're going to be going for if that makes sense if yeah. for me, it's um, the I think that I've always said about the show is because, um, you know, game adaptations can be such a, a minefield. I so much of what makes The Last of Us, not even just that last ending bit, but a lot of what you do in the, the final act, so much of it works because you are Joel, because you are controlling that character and whether or not you agree with him, you are in his shoes making those moves. And when you're watching something passively, it could still be an effective moment, but it's not effective in the same way. And it's not a commentary about storytelling in the same way that the game is. And so I, I do agree. I, I am fascinated and hope they take a different uh, route with this one. I hope they... And, you know, Neil Druckmann being involved with Craig Mazin uh, coming from the TV side and the game side together, I do hope they're kind of having those conversations, having those talks about what does this story look like in a passive medium versus an interactive one. Um, mm. And and to your point, Brian, I totally don't expect them to do the game one-to-one -one for the season. Like, if, if, you, if I had to guess right now, I would probably expect this to end where right before winter. Um, just right. on that clip, that cliffhanger to me feels like a season ending sort of thing, but yeah, there's, there's so much, there are so many ways they could take this. There's so much of an ensemble cast within the world of the last of us that they can explore more episode by episode. There's a lot of routes they can take on this one along the way that I mm -hmm. hope they do, um, that help make it its own unique thing. Yeah. I mean, the, if you, the, I will say that like the, the last of us one and two have two of my favorite video game endings ever. And favorite is a weird word to use there because they're bleak sort of <laughs> and harrowing. Like, I completely I agree with you. The most yeah. impactful. Um, mm -hmm. But also, I, I wonder how much the, the, the Naughty Dog leaks will affect this show. Because if you look at the reality here, frankly, there was a lot of toxicity around the second game. There was a lot of people rushing to spoil that game for anybody else because they didn't like what they saw or what they read. Um, and I, I think that like, this isn't a Netflix show where they're dropping 10 episodes in one afternoon and you, you know, binge you through the whole thing. This is going to be a, a thing that they will want to build momentum on week to week. They want that discussion. That was one of the things that made Game of Thrones the most popular show on TV. And, yeah. you know, it's, I hate 
to continually bring up Game of Thrones because everyone knows the last season wasn't great. But uh, <laughs> in terms of like building momentum, in terms of like reaching a global audience, uh, uh, you know, it was sort of unprecedented at the time. And I, I really don't want to get us in a scenario where this show starts to build momentum, gets a bunch of people watching it, and then it's just like a thousand people being like, oh, well, here's what happens in the final episode six weeks before that happens. So I do want them to deviate from the source material, although that's going to be tough because like, there's such, that's such a great outline for, especially that <laughs> first isn't it? To, yeah. to, to skip all of that. And, and I trust they'll go in a different direction. Cause if you look at the, the showrunners on the show and you watch Chernobyl, like, damn, like that is, you know, there in Chernobyl was amazing. But yeah. I, I just, I do hope that this isn't a scenario where they go one-to-one -one, it's all outlined. And then, you know, some people have the opportunity to sort of spoil the show for everybody else. Um, Cause I, I, I want I want that to be able to impact people the way it impacted us when we experienced it for the first time. Yeah, it'll it'll definitely be an interesting case to see what they keep um, that is similar with the game and and where they do deviate. But they have a lot of potential to do that, and I, I at least trust the creative team to make those decisions uh, very uh, very considered. Like I, I definitely think there's probably a ton going into the direction they're taking the show. I'm sure it is a thing they are thinking beyond this first season because this franchise is huge. HBO probably wants this to be a success. Like absolutely in my mind, this is their next game of Thrones bet. This is their hopeful like Emmy crossover where it's both genre, but uh, really critically acclaimed. Like I, th I think there's a lot of hope behind the show really being a hit. Uh, and, and I, I imagine they're taking those, those talks into consideration for sure of where they want to take it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very, interesting one to look forward to we have no idea exactly when it's going to premiere so it's definitely a ways off but it's it's an exciting one to look forward to even if i think the game works so well as a game i am you know hopeful the the show turns out well but we'll, we'll definitely have to see it put into practice uh, a fun thing that they'll also have to deal with though as you were saying brian uh leaks uh both of the casting announcements came via like deadline and thr and things like that where uh, i saw you know like neil Druckmann was tweeting and congratulating the actors and pedro was tweeting about and all these things game game production is often much more secretive whereas the trades and movies and tv leak things you know we we knew tatiana maslani was going to be she hulk like a year before they announced her as she hulk those things happen quite often. So it's going to be really interesting to see the production of the show probably come to light in a lot of ways when game production doesn't come to light that way. I, I don't know if you guys watched like Lost or a show like it, like yeah. as it aired, but one of the big conversational things culturally around that show was basically reading the episode credits before the new episode would hit and know ex exactly like which characters would appear in that episode. Um, that's something that happens for various reasons in Hollywood uh and that's going to continue to happen here so i do think that's sort of fascinating like there there will like like i was saying before like it, there's just like a transparency that happens in in filmmaking and tv that you know we're not we don't really see as much on the gaming side it's just much more secretive world absolutely uh and just to to blow through things because i know we're running short on time i just briefly wanted to mention uh with the uh Class action lawsuit that is being put into place. Um, a firm has filed a lawsuit against Sony uh, related to DualSense drift. So Joy-Cons are apparently not the only controllers dealing with uh, stick drift. Uh, there's uh, apparently been cases, people reporting online on uh, Reddit and other forums as, as early as you know the first couple weeks after the PS5 came out. Uh, this class action lawsuit is saying that Sony knowingly deceived uh, 
people and were aware of these issues. Obviously, that's something that a lawsuit would have to prove with some hard evidence to show. But uh, clearly, DualSense Drift is an issue that is ongoing. Uh, the IGN news team is definitely looking into the severity of it, how widespread it is, because there have been a number of different issues uh, when it comes to the PS5 since launch. Um, but knowing that this is something that has been caught in the first few months of the console's life versus something that Nintendo kind of let go on for years with the Joy-Cons. Hopefully we can see some resolution to this. Hopefully uh, new lines of dual senses can avoid these issues. Uh, but just as a warning out there to any new PS5 owners, dual sense drift may happen to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and then last but not least, just on the news front, briefly wanted to mention, uh, just wanted to bring back Silent Hill Watch because uh, this feels like this is going to be an ongoing thing for us this year. Uh, apparently not only... Uh, is one Silent Hill game maybe in the works, but multiple games may be in the works. Um, in an interview with GameIndustry.biz, uh, Bloober Team, which are the developers behind The Medium, uh, Blair Witch, and some other horror games, and just a really fun studio name to say, uh, announced that they were working on another horror IP with a very famous publisher. Uh, VGC then reported that they uh, had sources saying that this was, in fact, a Silent Hill game and that there are other Silent Hill games in development, uh, including a project with a prominent Japanese developer. Um, with potential release for the summer. Uh, Konami has not confirmed these things. We haven't gotten official word or anything on that. Um, but this is the latest report from uh, VGC, uh, which has, has tended to get some pretty uh, some stuff right before they, they I, were, I believe, were the ones to leak the Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection uh, first mm -hmm. of anyone, some other big things in the last year or two. Um, I briefly just wanted to mention this because you know we talked about it a lot last week. It feels like we're getting closer to Silent Hill happening. Uh, for anyone who has had experience with Bloober, do they feel like a good, a good fit for Silent Hill, for those who might know uh, the media like, or Blair Witch? I feel like they're a good fit for a smaller... Um... Silent Hill. Gotcha. I mean, I you know, I and that's and that's not just because they typically make smaller games. They have a, a very distinctive style of horror. I I, I would like to see them take a, a a smaller slice of the Silent Hill universe. I'm I'm still maintain that um, Silent Hill should be developed by a Japanese developer, um, like you know, the next entry. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm pleased. I'm pleased that we're hearing that there is. Uh, you know that rumor that a Japanese developer is working on on a on a Silent Hill game. Yeah. I, again, it's 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 just because Silent Hill is so the the horror is so distinctly Japanese. Mm -hmm. Like it's a very distinctive style. It's a very distinct tone. It's lifted a lot from from Japanese uh, horror cinema. Um, and I I feel when Western devs take take it on. It sort of feels like an approximation. It's just not quite the same. And I, I, you know, as I said in, in our last episode, like that's not to say that the Western developed Silent Hills were were all terrible. There were some some good ones in there for sure. But like, I want to see it return to its its Japanese horror roots. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you on that. I um, I'm playing through the medium right now on Series X, and it's like it's super cool. And you can completely in five minutes of playing it understand why they can and potentially should make a Silent Hill game. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with Lucy too. I would, I would like to see that. I mean, I, I think Bloober is like a really interesting studio because they love horror and I don't think they're great at totally nailing it, but they're getting <laughs> better and better with each game. Like yeah. consistently, every time, and I play all of their games, every single time I'm like, I don't know if I totally love this, 
And then I play the next one. I'm like, I like this one a little more. And the next one I like, like, I like, I like the medium more than I like Blair Witch. I think both of them have like some really strong ideas and I think they're building and building towards the next thing. And I love, I love watching a studio like that grow. Like it's, it's such a more interesting story than seeing a studio get worse and worse over time, which obviously we we've seen that happen as well. Um, and so, yeah, I hope that, I hope that comes together. Uh, I am okay with like multiple studios at the same time, making different Silent Hill games. Uh, the other weird thing that sort of came out of this rumor was um, it kind of like spilled out this morning about how Konami were hypothetically interested in allowing other developers to tackle the Metal Gear and Castlevania franchises. Yeah, and so, I was going to bring yeah. that up. And so I, like we, we have like these sort of three awesome vintage Konami franchises that they aren't doing anything with. I don't think that they have the internal... Uh, power anymore to like make something up to the standards that somebody would want from any of those things um nor should they because i think there's like kind of like a lot of stink in the air about like especially something like uh, you know metal gear uh, that was just not a great story the way their relationship ended with kojima um and the same for uh you know igarashi with castlevania and like i i i just feel like that you have three you have this sort of vintage awesome video game studio that made some bad decisions in the last decade or so who are sitting on three fantastic franchises that people still really love and i would love to see them go into the hands of competent developers uh outside of the the walls of konami who get to cool do cool stuff with it and like there are so many people that can make a great castlevania game or a great metal gear game or a great silent hill game and i really hope they let that happen yeah, it, um, the the VGC report notes that any potential release for those uh, in particular are years away, but I'm, I'm right there with you. One, I will I'll happily fall prey to Konami putting a collection together of the GBA Castlevania games if they want to. But yeah, I, I'm really excited what the potential of other devs uh, taking on these franchises could do, especially with the creators of them having moved on and there having been such public breakups with Konami. I, I think taking a... Bl uh, a blank slate approach of where can we bring this next with new ideas outside of Konami is a really exciting potential for what could happen there. We we should like collectively as an industry and fans make a pact that if Konami puts the GBA Castlevania games on PlayStation, we will never make another Pachinko joke again. Ever. No one believe. ever will. I we will retire it. I'll put it away forever. I swear on everything. If I can play like area of so you know all, like basically any of the circle GBA of the games, moon, yeah. Oh my god. god. I I I, never, would happily, I don't even yeah. don't even care. I'll the buy a pachinko machine. I don't care. Put it in my house. Konami water bottles. <laughs> I think they make like uh, running machines. Like I'll I'll buy whatever yeah. you want. Just just make I'll exercise make... for Castlevania. <laughs> I want I want like I want this to come true, and I want like next year to see you that background just be a, a bunch of pachinko machines <laughs> you've, 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 you've been to japan you have you been in a pachinko parlor before? yes i have it is a sensory assault yes there, it, yeah. it, it is it is like it's like 60 machine guns having sex at the same time while <laughs> smoking cigarettes i walked into one and like with mitch dyer who used to work at ign we walked in went upstairs and went back downstairs we were in there for maybe 90 seconds and i came out deaf and sick <laughs> I, I legitimately had like a cold this is just condensed cigarettes and yeah. then just like gang, 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 gang. it's just the, it, it's, it can put yeah. las vegas casinos it's to sick. shame it's oh incredible. my god oh yeah. my god yeah it's also covid soup like god, oh, imagine, god yeah. imagine that place now oh man 
Uh, yeah, it's, it'll probably be a few years before I even contemplate stepping into a, a pachinko parlor in Japan um, yeah. or or a Las Vegas casino for that matter. But anyway, uh, before we wrap up, I did briefly want to read one memory card story. Uh, this one comes in from Sam, who wrote in to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card, which you can do as well if you want to share your weird, wacky, strange, um, peculiar, funny, whatever memories of your PlayStation gaming life. Uh, this is somewhat of a follow-up uh, tangentially to the uh, pet chewing through the controller cables. We had a story about, uh, I believe it was a rabbit who chewed through a controller cable. This one is somewhat related to a, a broken controller cable, but it goes places you're probably not expecting. Uh, I'm going to uh, avoid saying any names also just to protect those involved, I guess, uh, even if some of them are uh, assholes, as you'll learn. But anyway, Ooh, I digress. Uh, Sam wrote in and said, ready. Back when SingStar was a phenomenon, I was working in retail over the New Year's period. My colleague and I decided to spend New Year's Eve together, drinking and playing SingStar with our respective girlfriends. After many poorly sung songs, we took a break and played some drinking games. On our return to the lounge, I found my work colleague with a SingStar mic in one hand and a cut mic cable in the other. We immediately jumped to the conclusion and blamed my girlfriend's very yappy dog, and that was the end of our SingStar games for the evening. Karma, I, karma, excuse me, I guess, clearly just didn't like our singing at the time. A couple of months later, though, the colleague and his girlfriend broke up. I bumped into that ex-girlfriend and asked her what had happened. She told me I was the reason they broke up, and she thanked me. I was perplexed. She explained that I had mentioned that the colleague was good friends with our other male colleague, which was surprising to her. She then noticed lots of late-night text messages from that other male colleague and him and wanted to know what they were up to. She discovered that the contact details were fake and it was actually the phone number of a girl he was cheating on with. Lastly, uh, lastly she told me that the colleague admitted that he had used scissors to cut the SingStar controller cable on New Year's because he wanted to stop playing SingStar and go meet up with this other girl. What Car the fuck? Karma what gods were scared. Um, <laughs> an incredible turn of events because they opened the email by saying this is also about cut controller cables so i'm like okay some some at, like pet got into the controller cables like someone has a snake who ate a controller or something nope uh anyway what thank you sam for writing in with that so like that is so deranged yep. like oh i i need to he couldn't have come up with some other dumb excuse like he actually just had to cut the cable right like that is wild yeah i suppose it's effective <laughs> so insane I know it's, that is crazy. It is. It is wild. So Sam, thank you for writing in. Uh, thank Holy you for, for sharing that story. Uh, and again, if you want to share a story about your PlayStation gaming life, whatever it may entail, uh, you can write into uh, beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card. Uh, briefly before we wrap up, just wanted to mention either one, anything you want to plug or two, uh, anything that you've been watching, listening or reading to that you want to also plug as well. Brian, I'll start with you. Uh, I won't say too much about it because Lucy's going to watch it tonight, but please watch Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. It's super funny. Uh, it just dropped. I think it's like 20 bucks. It's one of those like this would have been in theaters in a normal time, but it's not. So here it is. Um, it's it's probably the hardest I've laughed in the entire pandemic. So yeah, check so that out. excited. Awesome. And Lucy, what about you? Anything? Yeah, I, 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 I'm weirdly returning to Westworld. Um, <laughs> I, I was one of those people that fell off uh, midway through season two but i'm returning to it uh with with my with my girlfriend who hasn't seen it before and um that first season is so good just so strong 
And I'm, I'm, you know, I, I didn't even realize it was still going, to be honest. I thought it had kind of like been canceled after season three, but it's still going. So I think I'm going to watch it through and see where they go, because uh, apparently season three is very, very different. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm back on the Westworld train. I, I jumped off at about the same time. So, yeah, knowing that it's still ongoing, I, we've planned to check back in, just haven't in forever. Um, but, yeah, I, I might have to do that as well. Um, the, the, the only thing I'll mention is cause it's been literal comfort food is me for me as well. Thank you. Uh, again, a few people reached out and mentioned you had, uh, checked out sorted the YouTube channel I recommended last week, uh, another food YouTube channel that I watch, which probably a lot of people know of, but it's just been a, a more recent thing for me is binging with Babish. Uh, basically the, the channel is, uh, a guy who recreates foods from movies and TV shows and games, uh, and tries to then put his own spin on them. It's also sort of been his journey of becoming a better chef and understanding the world of cooking more and so it's been a really fun thing to like go back and see the progression of uh but there's also another particular series on there called stump stump sola uh and it stars sola alwaley from uh who previously was at bon appetit and was one of the uh employees there who stood up and was very uh very um loud and and brought attention to the fact that uh, people of color at Bon Appetit were not being paid fairly uh, fair wages for being on video. Uh, anyway, so she has a series on binging with, with Babish where essentially he comes up with a different uh, grouping of things each each time they do it and she ha it's essentially trying to stump her cooking skills because she's a brilliant cook. Uh, so some of them are like she had to do a bodega Thanksgiving meal um, I think one was doing like a freeze-dried birthday celebration, like just all these weird combinations of things. They're really fun to watch. There's just so much creativity in the cooking going on there. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out if you haven't before. Uh, oh, that but that's awesome. it's it's really great. Uh, but that's pretty much going to wrap us up for this week's episode of Podcast Beyond. Uh, thank you so much, Brian and Lucy, for joining me for this week. Thank you to our producer, Marian, for helping us make this show actually happen. And thank you, of course, to all of you out there watching and or listening to this episode. Uh, remember, Beyond is normally live Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash Beyond, and your favorite podcast services around the world. Uh, we'll see you all next week. But in the meantime, we hope you stay safe. We hope you stay well. And as always, Beyond. Beyond. Beyond.